amigas. Hi. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Doing fabulous. I'm glad we are finally doing this podcast. We're still doing the Zoom. This book is amazing. Yeah, this book is something else. Um, I feel that her stance and the way she really communicates um, speaks to me more than I think most of the books we read about like motivating you and empowering you. Um, I think with a lot of the other books, I was like, oh, I already do that. But with this one, I was like, oh, fuck, I don't do any of that. I need to do that. You know? Yeah. I said it has really great reviews. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned before, and I didn't even see it, that uh, Cheryl Sandberg had reviewed it, which is our author from one of our books that we read. Uh, I know a lot of um, what was the it? nurse readers. The name of uh, Cheryl's book? Uh, Lean In. Lean In, yeah. That was an awesome book as well. So yeah, Cheryl Sandberg's um, review says, with Dare to Lead, Brene brings decades of research to bear in a practical and insightful guide to courage leadership. This book is a roadmap for anyone who wants to lead mindfully, live bravely, and dare to lead, which is exactly what we've been saying. Like, this isn't just for people that are looking to be leaders, but it's live bravely. So it's like finding yourself as well and learning how to deal with certain uncomfortable situations. Right. I was sharing with you guys that, you know, I've never heard of, of her before, like Brene Brown. And now that we're reading her book, like nurse, the nursing leadership will share quotes or, you know, at their meetings, they'll talk about the book club that they're having with their staff, which is nice to know that organizations have book clubs with their staff. So they actually um, are reading Daring Greatly. I'm like, oh, okay. So that's, that's a good one. It was one of our recommendations, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, so, I've seen her also mention something about it on this book. Yeah, she kind of talks about how a lot of the stuff that she talks about in this book are snippets of other books. So if she is talking about another book, she kind of just gives us a little, the little snippets. Brief, right? about. Yeah, which is pretty cool because already with the ones she's mentioned, I'm already like, okay, I need to read that one. Yeah. So I think, um, I know we're not going to go too much into the intro, but I just wanted to read one quote um, where she really takes the moment. You know, we've, like Vero said, we've talked about how this isn't about being a leader in like, let's say an organizational manner and in different manners. So I just want to read the way she defines leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I define a leader as anyone who takes responsibility for finding the potential in people and processes and who has the courage to develop that potential. So, you know, we talk about like, if you're a parent, right, you are a leader and it's your job to find the potential and to help your children, right? grow within that potential if it's your marriage, um, you're both leaders of that marriage and, you know, being a leader, you take responsibility for finding the potential in that other person, right? Mm-hmm. And helping them develop that. So back to what we said, how it doesn't always mean um, like in an organizational or career-wise, 
ways, but in general, we're all leaders, right? Yeah, different uh, relationships that you have. Mm-hmm. And I think you're starting with a good uh, a good key term. So following that, um, another big key term would be vulnerability, right? A lot of people don't really know what the definition is. And I like how in the first section, she put it out there and I'll go ahead and read it. The definition of vulnerability as an emotion that we experience during times of uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure first emerged in my work two decades ago and has been validated by every study I've done since including this research on leadership. So she goes on and on to page 19 and 20, and she says vulnerability is not winning or losing. It's having the courage to show up when you can't control the outcome. Oh, that was so powerful when I read that. That last part. Yeah, I was like, oh, we're going to start this section one very well. Yeah, and um, it's interesting because I feel that, um, so I I started learning about her um, in grad school because, you know, she's an LCSW like me and I like loved her right away. But when she talks about vulnerability, if you watch her TED Talk, she explains how hard it was for her to look at the research and realize the power of vulnerability because she wasn't about feelings and emotions and all that touchy stuff. And if anyone knows me, that's me, right? And in the field that I'm in, when I when I heard her, I was like, I really need to get better at this whole vulnerability thing, you know, for my patients, for my child, my child, you know, um, and just learning that process. And I mean, I'm, I've been working on it for a while, but this book is really speaking to me in areas that I need to grow in. Yeah. I think this one has, gives you the tools. There's so many exercise tools to do here. Like I was literally writing like exercise tool to try it out either at home or at work or for people that I know that need it. I'm like, okay, these are really great tools that you can try to put to, you know, an example, try things. Yeah. And I think a lot of motivational books just tell you like, oh, you should do this or this is the concept or this is the theory, but they don't tell you like, go home and do this. Yeah. Like literally she writes, everybody gets a sticky note and write something down. <laughs> it's like, wow, it's very detailed. She also did mention the myths behind vulnerability, right? Mm-hmm. How like vulnerability is weakness. I, that was me. I'm like, oh, you know, you never want to show that side. And, and I thought that was very important that she laid out all of the myths and kind of what people fear in being vulnerable. Yeah. And most people had the same definition of what they thought as well. Yeah. It was, it was interesting because I had to really think about it. And in my family, we're so like kind and respectful to these people, people that are vulnerable, people that are very compassionate and caring. Like in my house, I was raised, like you see someone that needs something, you give it to them. Like, oh, everyone. But within my family, when anyone's vulnerable, it's like, what are you doing? You look dumb. Stop it. Like, like it's such an irritant, like we don't know how to handle the emotions when it's us. Yeah. Right. Like try crying in front of my sister and she will just, what do I do? Like, let me run out of this room, you know? Mm-hmm. And you guys know Stephanie's not the most heartfelt human. Right. 
And so, like, for me, that my family, it w- it was only, like, I was, like, it's an annoyance. We just see it as something annoying, like. Yeah, I remember um, when my oldest son, I was living with my mom and my brother, he would be around uh, my son and he would start crying. Like a little kid, like a three or four year old, and be like, stop crying. Girls only cry, stop crying. And I'm just like, what? I'm like, leave him alone. He's crying, let him cry. No. <laughs> like, oh my God. Yeah, right? Men get taught not to be vulnerable ever. It's even worse for them than it yeah. is for us. Mm-hmm. not show any emotion or soft it sucks because we grow up not not knowing that it's it's a good thing to be vulnerable so then as adults as we obviously in our jobs like it's huge to be vulnerable and it affects us to be able to build these relationships because um like she states on her book one of the the main reasons why we build trust is through vulnerability right huge so it's like you know you see somebody be vulnerable and yeah you start trusting them and believing them and but if you're not showing that because all our life we were like that's weakness don't do that like don't show any feelings or any of that yeah it's really hard to open up and be vulnerable and it holds us back right because um like the quote itself, like her definition of vulnerability is showing up when you don't know what the outcome will be. So in order to be vulnerable, you have to take risks. And mm-hmm. a lot of people won't, right? Maybe you're just starting your business and so many people will not take risks, right? And even making the decision, people are like, what the hell are you doing, right? But you don't know the outcome. When I started my business, I, it was like, how am I going to do this? Uh, I, I, I have- we question it a lot. We're like, but how? Yeah. Like, what, what are you going to do? Like, how are you going to get this license? And it was a lot of questions that both me and Nadie were like, are you sure you're ready to launch? <laughs> yeah. And it, it's, I mean, I don't, I was supposed to start my private practice with someone else. And when I was like gung ho and I was like, we're doing it. She was like, oh shit. Like, no, I'm not. I'm out you know so it's like yeah you kind of just like need to just go for it and line your ducks in the row as you're going right mm-hmm. yeah I, I didn't know the outcome and I mean I'm doing pretty well I'm oh you know, yes you are <laughs> yeah, like, I'm like I tell people I'm like I'm not there yet but on my first year I made profit no one makes profit on their first mm-hmm. year of a Look, I mean, you're not there yet, but you're there. So that's oh, what- yeah, definitely. A hundred percent. Yeah. All right. So I think we're going to talk about the marbles, right? <laughs> how how do you decide if someone is like tr- trustworthy or deserving of marbles, right? Mm-hmm. So for those that are need to catch up or don't know what we're talking about, um, saying marbles, uh, she talks about something um, that happened with her daughter, and um, it's a metaphor she uses about the marble jar. So pretty much, um, it sums it up on page 31. It says, I told Ellen, which is her daughter, we trust the people who have earned marbles over time in our life. Whenever someone supports you or is kind to you or sticks up for you or honors what you share with them, as private, you put marbles in the jar. When people are mean or just disrespectful or share secrets, marbles come out. 
we look for the people who over time put marbles in and and in and in until you look up one day and they're holding a full jar. Those are the folks you can tell your secrets to. Those are the folks you trust with information that's important to you. So you gotta keep a lookout for those that jar and see how full of marbles it is that you know people are really there for you. What I loved was when she started asking her daughters, so who do you trust? Who would you give marbles to? And she said so-and-so because she remembered my grandparents' name. Yeah. And so-and-so because she saves me a seat. And when there isn't a seat, she shares her. And I had to think about it. And I'm that person. Like, I notice the small things, you know? Um, I notice the people that right away when I say an idea, they're like, okay, how can I help? Or people that, you know, without us asking, will repost us or people that um, check in on me and like random small things. It doesn't have to be something huge. And I've noticed like my strongest relationships are people I don't talk to every day. I don't see every day. I don't see often. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's because those people have shown me that they're there in very small acts, but those are the people that, those are the things I notice. Yeah. And I think we're all like that to notice these small things that we know it's not noticeable. We know it's needed and that's when they come through. Yeah, definitely. But it's true, right? Like small acts of vulnerability or kindness. That's kind of what teaches us like, Oh, I can trust this person. I can't. Like on page 32 at the bottom, it says, it turns out that trust in fact is in fact earned in the smallest of moments. It is earned not through heroic deeds or even highly visible actions, but through paying attention, listening, and gestures of genuine care and connection. Yeah, that's That's so true. Yeah, so... One thing that I always do with my clients is notice the small things, right? So throughout the day, I have them do an assignment where they have to identify three things that were positive in their day, you know? And as they do it every day for a week, at the end of the week, they go, so had you noticed those three things before? Because, you know, you have 21 good things that happened to you this week. And they're like, oh my God, I never noticed. And now that I notice, I'm so happy. I'm like, yeah. How many bad things did you pay attention to when you had to pay attention only to the positives, you know? And I've had patients with like really bad depression and they're like, Jessica, I couldn't come up with anything. So I wrote that I woke up and I was like, do you know how huge that is? You know, the smallest things are huge, right? right? So I think that stood out to me a lot. Um. Like, I guess, you know, from him saying that he just woke up, I'm pretty sure the list then later starts growing into something bigger, right? Yeah. And I mean, I mean, I'm talking extreme depression, right? So in most days, you hope you don't wake up. Right. Say I woke up, like, that's huge, you know? Yeah. Um, so let's so yeah. go into, um, by the way, we are covering pages three to one thirteen. So um, that was a little bit of covering the first part of the book. Um, throughout the second part, we get into section two of 
clear is kind and unclear is unkind. Yeah. This one was so good too. I highlighted so much. And it was so funny because I think that I'm like a very honest person and people look at me sometimes like, did she just say that? And I was like, yeah, it's the truth. She had no filter. (laughs) They're like, well, I mean, yeah, it is, you know? And I'm just like, never try to figure me out. Whatever comes out of my mouth, it's the truth, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, you see guys, I'm kind. Yeah, let me see. I'm going to find one of my. Oh, I like the the parting section too of um, of being clear. Unkind is unclear. What is that? I highlighted a section on page 48. And I'll read it to you guys um, because she really breaks it down, right? So it's simple but transformative. Clear is kind, unclear is unkind. I first heard this saying two decades ago in a 12-step meeting, but I was on a slogan overload at the time and didn't even think about it again until I saw the data about how most of us avoid clarity because we all tell ourselves that we're being kind. When what we're really actually doing is being unkind and unfair. Feeding people half-truths or bullshit to make Mm -hmm. them feel better which is almost always about making ourselves feel more comfortable is unkind. Not getting clear with a colleague about your expectations because it feels too hard, yet holding them accountable or blaming them for not delivering is unkind. Talking about people rather than to them, rather than to them is unkind. And I honestly had to like read that a couple times this because I'm like, wow, like, it's true, dude. Like, be straight up. That's me. Yeah, this kind. happens so often, right? Mm-hmm. I think the I think the hard thing, and and you know, I'm single, but um, it, when I've been in relationships, my brutal honesty, and even when I'm dating someone, I've had my friends say, "You actually said that to him," and I'm like, "Yeah." And not to be mean, right? Not to be mean. But I say men are slow. I'm not going to wait for them to figure out what I'm going through or what I feel. Like, you know, and and I've always believed, like, you can't be mad at people if you weren't clear. Right. Right? I'm I'm always a believer. If there's anyone to blame, it's you. Because you didn't want to read mine. Right. Yeah. And... And I've seen that, you know, at work when, you know, people are having conflicts or issues. A lot of them come to me, right? Because I'm a therapist and they're just like, Jess, what do I do? I can't stand this person. And I'm like, well, have you told them your expectations? Have you explained what you want? One, I remember one girl was like, I can't stand this person. They don't do their work. And I was like, well, what's the problem? Um, I call them and I call, I email them and I email them and they don't respond. And I was like, so have you asked them what's their preferred way of communication? Because how do you, how do you know that they check their emails all the time? I'm like, you're setting yourself up for failure if you're not being clear about the way you communicate. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, she was like, oh my God, I talked to her. She asked me to text her and it works so much better. And I'm like, yeah, because oh. if you're clear, then it's going to work out. If you're not clear, you're setting them up for failure. Right. They don't know. 
you're going to say they don't do their job when in reality you haven't explored what can make it work. Mm-hmm. You know? And that applies to your everything. Like even at work, like I, I think she talked about a scenario where like they wanted to finish a project and the expectations and the communication, right? Where I think her timelines, she was talking about her timelines and mm-hmm. the scenario brought to, brought to a scenario in my environment at work where it's like if they need me to drop something like they need to be clear with me like you need even though they want it now okay cool like I'll get it done but it's just it's so right like sometimes like being open to clarity it makes things more successful yeah in relationships at work everything Mm -hmm. yeah so I you know, this whole section or this topic was so powerful. Um, yeah, I think also um, with that uh, set of being, you know, clear is kind. So I like the fact of, uh, who was it? A quote by Joseph Campbell is, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. So from yeah. just staying quiet and not saying what you really feel or want is like, it's everything right there. It's going to open up the door to everything that you really want. Like, And I think, so we kind of talked a little bit about it on um, our live on Instagram. Um, like the concept of um, gritty faith, gritty what? Gritty faith and gritty facts. Yeah. But she talks about this um, unilateral uh, way of thinking where you're either one or the other. And so when she talks about the cave, she says, you're entering the cave not for you. Oh, yeah. You're entering for everyone else you could help. Mm-hmm. And I think I, you know, I've, I've been trying to work on that for a couple, probably like the past year, two years, when I really understood what I was doing. And it's because for a long time, like, I I know the answers. I know how to make things work. But I just feel like, screw everyone that's not willing to listen to me on the first attempt, right? And this is what we talked about. And going into the cave is convincing people because at the end of the day, it's not about you. It's about helping the whole group or the organization or the people that you're trying to help, mm-hmm. right? And so... For me, that's a hard one uh, as a leader. Um, I, you know, a lot of times I had, I had a belief system of um, chingense, right? Um, if, you're not gonna, if you're not gonna listen to me, fuck it, like burn, you know? And, and it, that's what happens. Like, if you're not willing to go into that cave, if you're not willing to speak up, if you're not willing to do your part, at the end of the day, people get left behind, you know? And so we talked a little bit about that. And it's true. Like when you go in that cave, it's not about you. It's about others. Right. Right. So she talks about how it's a form of self-protection. It's the armor we put on. And we kind of talked about those too, right? Yeah. On page 51, I told you guys, I'm like, I go from zero to a hundred. I just go straight to five and six and I'm just like, I'm not the problem. You guys are the problem. <laughs> right. I go there real quick. I don't even 
pay attention. And she says that, right? It's really quick. But that's mm -hmm. definitely me if you know me. Yeah. Yeah, we know you. That's that's you. Yeah. I'm getting better. I'm getting better, guys. <laughs> but yeah, treasure hunting. Um, that's kind of our middle point of the book and towards the end we get into some really good um, like breakdown of all the armor leadership and how to transition it into daring leadership and uh, Nadie brought it up and she was a little bit ahead of us and she's like you guys need to really you know read this carefully and we should really share about this because it's such a good part in the book and it really is like it's almost something that you always can go back to and um, read what you're going through and find your solution and how to work through that. Yeah and so the great thing about this section um, section three right is section three guys? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like page seven. Uh, so the good thing is, is this is one of those areas where she doesn't just tell you like, because I think a lot of times when I'm reading motivational books, I feel like, oh my God, that's so me. But it doesn't tell you what to do about it. It's like, okay, well, now I know I'm like this. Now what do I do about it? Mm -hmm. Right? And so she does 16. This is what you're doing. This is what you should be doing. This is what you're doing. This is what you should be doing. So she kind of goes through it and gives you the solution which I love because I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do with this, you know? Yeah. All right. So one thing that we're thinking was kind of just going around and talking about which one stood out to us. So who wants to go first? Who got perfectionism and fostering fear of failure? So I'll go first. So I wanted to obviously look at the armored leadership and I'm like, okay, I'm not perfect, right? There's an armored leadership that I've done and then a daring. So an armored leadership is the driving perfectionism foster fear of failure. That's why I'm like, I'm scared of failing, right? Like I always strive to be a perfectionist. That's just something in me where it's like, if I'm not confident in it, then no, I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. Like I, I need to, I just, I can't feel insecure about it. I got to make sure I just, yeah, because I don't want to fail. I'm scared of failing. Yeah. And so it's, so, okay. So she talks about that. And then the second part is what to do about it. So what did you learn about what to do about it? The daring, the daring leadership. So the counter for that one, she says, is modeling and encouraging healthy, striving, empathy, and self-compassion. So the way you combat your driving to perfection and fostering fear of failure is by modeling, encouraging, healthy, striving, empathy, and self-compassion. Mm -hmm. Right? Which makes sense because... If you're if you're on this drive to perfection, are you really being compassionate to yourself? No. Right. no. And so that is, that's that's the cool thing, right? So she tells you, okay, you're doing this now. Do this. Have some self compassion. Mm -hmm. 
Right. Like it's going to take me time, right. To be, mm-hmm. to be where I want to be. And then another one that I was like, Oh shoot, this is, this one hit me too was, <laughs> was something that I feel like, okay, like, I think this one is, I'm good about, right. Which is the daring leadership, practicing gratitude and celebrating milestones. Like, I feel like with, you know, these last couple months, I feel like I've been really passionate about gratitude and giving back and, you know, at least letting, accepting changes, you know, and not feeling like being scared or, you know, just practicing and letting, embracing it, embracing the changes that, that had led me to today. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, like I literally highlighted like the whole page, like it was like nonstop, boom, boom, boom. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, okay, I like that one. That's a good one. So I'll go next. Um, Mine was number three, numbing. And daring leadership is setting boundaries and finding real comfort. So something I highlighted for that one was really good because on the armored leadership, I highlighted we cannot selectively numb emotion. If we numb the dark, we numb the light. If we take the edge off pain and discomfort, we are by default taking the edge of joy, off joy, love, belonging, and the other emotions that give meaning to our lives. Mm-hmm. So yeah, sometimes, you know, I just want to put the negative, the ugly away and block it. But at the same time, I start noticing like, I am not even enjoying my day anymore, being home or my day off. Like I start shutting everything off completely. And I start catching myself like, okay, like I'm not being myself anymore. I'm not enjoying these things that I used to enjoy. So I need to address it, you know? And that's something that really hit me like, okay, I need to address that and not be numbing it um she talked about her being an alcoholic and stuff so uh her examples really were really good and um daring leadership i highlighted um the cure for numbing is developing tools and practices that allow you to lean in into discomfort and renew your spirit so yeah discomfort um and awkward things always I I try to not address and not want to touch you know and that one takes me then into uh number 15 zigzagging and avoiding (laughs) Um, at home and at work sometimes I need to just address some stuff and sometimes I'm just zigzagging going back and forth like wait should I call no maybe tomorrow it's too late um maybe I should do an email and in the end it says even here in the book I end up back in square one where I just still need to address it or call that person call my customer or that call that employee and something and it's just I'm back at it so instead of zigzagging and avoiding it just tackle it head on and be over with it so that was like really big for me. I think I also need to just like reread it again to mm-hmm. practice these tools. I actually read that and I thought about you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm like, that's better. I hope she reads this and highlights it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, for me, I think so. 
I'm the wild child, right? I'm the one that, you know, loves risky behaviors. I'm the one that takes chances, doesn't care, right? And um, so numbing has always been my favorite tool of life. And numbing is one that I, I've known. I've known for about three, four years. So when I was in grad school, we talk a lot about this. This is one of the most dangerous of all of them. Um, because when, when you numb, you lose your ability to feel happy. And so when I, I mean, I, I've known for a long time that I do that, right? Um, I've known for a really long time. And, you know, like she says, like for me, it, it originates in trauma. So if you grew up in trauma, numbing is the best thing you can do. The problem is, is when you're no longer in a traumatic event and you keep doing it, mm. right? So as a therapist, when someone is in a very risky situation, you know, like domestic violence or something, I'm not going to teach them to stop numbing if they're still in that relationship because it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. Um, it's a great tool, Um the problem with it is when you're no longer in a traumatic event and then it's like, shit, I, I can't feel happiness, right? And the way we describe it is they're emotions. Your, emotion, your emotions should always be in motion. Mm -hmm. So if you want to get to happiness, you have to go through sadness. You have to go through pain. You have to go through all of that. And... And it's funny because I went through something recently and one of my friends goes, did you cry? And I was like, girl, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, like I, I worked on myself a lot. So I cry more now than I ever have. Um, but I, I'm barely learning to feel those emotions. Um, but yeah, numbing is something that I've reduced significantly and I know all my numbing tools. And anytime I don't use them when I'm going through a really tough time, I'm just like, yes, I didn't do it, you know? <laughs> so of course that's mine or it's been mine. It's actually slowly, I'm, I've been working on it. So I've cried, guys, I've cried. So question though, and I might get a little personal up in here, but... Do you feel that after your accident, this was it? That's, no. that's when you started being numb? No, no. I personally, I had a lot of traumas happen way before that. So, and that's worse because childhood traumas really teach you to numb. And that's because if you're a kid and there's really nothing you can do about the trauma, then you're kind of, so the numbing really helped during my car accident. Right. Because you guys always saw me happy and cheerful and I'm good. Right. Yeah. We're like, it's de fiesta and fiesta and, and like, like nothing yeah, happened. I, I was like, I got this. This tool has been developed for years. Like, you know, it's not. So and that's the hard part. Like when and when I use the tool, it was necessary. There was it was the only way I was going to survive, you know. But even my car accident, if I wouldn't have numbed, I wouldn't have survived. Um, we tell people after like, because I work with a lot of spinal cord injuries and 
when they're in that denial phase, like, oh, I'm going to be fine. Tomorrow I'm going to be good. You encourage it. You're like, you go, you go. Because that denial um, gets them to go to therapy. It gets them to become independent. It gets them to move forward. So when you need the, when you need a maladaptive tool, use it. Mm. It's when you don't need it anymore that it becomes a problem. So that's what happened to me. And being in grad school and you're sitting there, you're learning all this. You're like, that's me. That right there, that was me, that was me. So yeah. Tell us a daring leadership trait. Well, the counter. So some of the things I'm already doing, um, I would say I didn't really highlight too much because I just felt like, this is what I'm doing. So did you ever identify the source of the pain that's driving? Yeah. 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 But I did that a while ago. You know? Okay. Yeah. So I had to really. Yeah. Yeah. Work. Huh? Sure. Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a therapist, girl. <laughs> and the only way we keep our sanity is if we constantly work on ourselves. Yes. Therapists go to therapists, people, if you don't know that. Um, so, oh, and obviously number five, you guys know that's me. Okay. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. And it's funny because again, and you knew. Yeah. I'm like the pinchy knower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's oh, me. Being a knower and being right. Yeah. So one thing that I, I circled was um, it's pretty easy to replace an armor of knowing with becoming curi- a curious learner. Um, and for some, e- oh, wait. a curious learner, but for many people, the need to be a knower is driven by shame and for some even trauma. So I'm like, I have a history of that. So that totally is a driver. Mm-hmm. Um, being the knower can save people in hard situations, and it's easy to buy into the belief that being a knower is the only value we bring to relationships and work. So I always feel like I already know all the answers, so I'm very valuable, you know? Mm-hmm. But um, the one thing I've become really good at, because I know so much, is knowing my weaknesses. Like... I'm really good at building teams. Um, you know, I have someone when I wanted to start my business, like I was like, this person does accounting. Um, this person knows books. Um, this person knows licensure. Um, this person can set up all my system and all my EHR stuff because they work with medical, um, databases. And so I know my weaknesses, right? My number one dream in life is an assistant because you guys know, I'm gonna recognize my weakness <laughs> organization you know like I'll call my friends that are really good at organizing you know my friend Rosa I'm like Rosa we need to organize like I don't know where any of my shit is you know so that's the only good thing like knowing I've learned I've learned to recognize what I don't know mm-hmm. so I think that's been really powerful for me you think uh, trying you, to be a learner. Yeah, I was going to say, you think you still need to work on the wanting to get it right? Yeah, well, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's a tough conversation, but clear is kind. 
I'd like for you to work on your curiosity and critical thinking skills. Mm -hmm. uh, you're often quick. This is Jessica again. Often quick with an answer, which can be helpful, but not as helpful as having the right questions, which is how you'll grow as a leader. So I think that, I mean, I'm a very curious person, but I, I'm very um, driven by instinct. So I'm a jump. I don't need to check if there's a net. If I'm a jump, I'm a jump. Like I know. So when I was reading number... Seven, the daring leadership, making contributions and taking risks. I thought about you. See, I think about you with the positive stuff as well. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I, that I, you. yeah I was like, that's me. I take risks. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's my ADHD though, guys. That is wild. It's a positive. I tell people that you know how Navy thinks about everything before she does it. Yeah. So I I do first and think later. So like I had already told everyone I was opening my private practice. I had already paid for my business license, and you know, and then I was like, wait a second, what the hell are you doing? You don't even have a license to practice. What if you don't pass your test? You didn't even think about this. What? is wrong with you and I always tell people that it's too late by the time I start thinking mm -hmm. like by the time I, by the time I start thinking I'm already too ahead that now I'm like I can't go back so you guys remember when I I couldn't even think on that test yeah remember like and I was like well I have to pass like what am I supposed to do I told everyone I was gonna open my practice like it's too late now I already signed mm -hmm. the fucking paperwork like and it, it was too late like so I think halfway, like you put that pressure on yourself yeah because it's too late like I don't think about things at the beginning I always think about things halfway I tell mm -hmm. everyone that grad school same thing I told everyone oh yeah I'm gonna take a year off then I'm going to grad school I'm gonna take a year off then I'm gonna go to grad school and then I was like girl your GPA is trash you're not getting in anywhere why are you telling people this and then I was like, well, now I'm screwed. I got to go to grad school. So I went to USC. <laughs> Everyone's like, what? But yeah, I think after. But I love this section. Like we said, take a look at those 16 traits. I mean, take a look at everything. We highlighted a lot more than we probably talked about. But yeah. um, check out those traits because. It gives you suggestions, right? Like me being an, a knower all the time. The counter is, girl, open your mind, start asking questions, be a critical thinker. You know, don't jump on everything that just because you think you're always right, no. which is helpful. You know, it's not just this is what you do. I was like, no, what do I do about it now? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this was definitely good because, again, when we were able to identify our weaknesses, we were able to identify what we need to do to take action and um, identify some strengths too. Again, most of us, you know, again, you take risks and I feel like we all have some daring leadership in us. Yeah. I, I you know, I did a self-empowerment program. And when you do that program, the main question, cause there's like 70 people and the question is who's the leader of this group. And the answer is I am. Mm-hmm. And so, like, read amigas, who's the leader of the group? I am. Oh. 
But you guys should both be answering the same thing. Yeah. I am. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what organization you're in, everyone in that organization needs to feel that they are the leader because nothing's going to matter to you as much as if you're the leader. Right. 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 So the three of us are the leaders. Yeah, this is such such a good book. I mean, we just I think we're not even half or yeah, we're pretty close to halfway. And I'm just like, oh my god, I can't believe there's still more. Like it almost feels like this is where it would have ended with all these great tools right here. Yeah, definitely. And I love it because she says in the next sections, we're gonna talk about anxiety, we're gonna talk about this fear, Mm -hmm. we're gonna go into shame. Um and so she does amazing work. If you watch her Netflix special, it's uh, about shame. And then, um, oh my God, and I mentioned this to you guys, but I'm going to mention it here on podcast. You guys need to listen to her podcast on unlock, unlock yourself or something like that. Unlocking yourself. Mm-hmm. It is so good. She interviews so many people. She interviews Alicia Keys on her new book and a lot of other people that have come out with books and it inspires you to get other books to read um but it is such a good podcast i highly recommend it yeah and the great thing about this book is i would buy it because she tells you at the beginning i'm going to put in bold all the things you really need to remember like those terms and those words and and it's true she does it and she's not just She's not just telling you theory, she's telling you what to do about it, which if you're ready to make a change and you want to know what to do about it, read this book. Yeah, the tools are there. Mm-hmm. Right. Such a good book. So it's actually a workbook. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen yeah. that. Yeah, well, cool. because she does trainings for companies. Mm-hmm. So all right, guys. I'm excited for the next section. Um so everyone get up to speed with your reading, um, share the podcast, uh, like it, share it, comment, and subscribe to our YouTube channel or wherever it is that you're listening. Um, yeah. Yeah. Keep reading and sharing your highlights, guys. It's been awesome seeing everybody's highlights that are very similar to everybody else's. Yes. We love it all. All right. Bye, Amiga. Bye.